0: right, we hope you're, am I I good? I think I'm good now, am I on? Testing one, two, three. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Galatians chapter number, maybe I flipped the switch off. That's possible. Nope, I'm on here, okay. Galatians chapter number five. Galatians chapter number five. As we continue to go through the, uh, uh, the, the, Fruit of the Spirit. There we go. Galatians chapter number 5. As we continue to go through the fruit of the Spirit, I need to get over to Galatians chapter 5. And as you're turning to Galatians chapter 5, turn as well to Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews 10. So Galatians chapter number 5 and Hebrews chapter number 10. Galatians chapter number 5 and Hebrews chapter number 10. And as we're going through the fruit of the spirit, of course, in in the book of Galatians, we've been going through the list of that uh, of the fruit of the spirit that are uh, listed there for us, and uh, we've been going through each and every one individually, and just seeing how it's written out and how it's uh, spelled out and and given in the Bible, really, in in ways that it would affect our lives. And uh, as we look at this, faith is uh, the the next one that we're going to look at. Is James, well, we're on and off there. Uh, Which one? This one? Stick with the pulpit. Stick with the pulpit. All right, I will do that. Um, Faith is simply defined as belief. And in the book of James, it teaches us that faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. And we understand that. What he's saying is, hey, uh, listen, if your faith doesn't change your life, if your faith does not change your actions, then you may want to go back and check your faith because faith ought to cause us to live different. If you say you have faith, then your life should be affected by the faith that you have because faith is true belief. And so uh, understand that. Uh, and, and that should change your life. There should be visible evidence of faith in your life. And uh, faith is simply defined as full or faithful is simply defined as full of faith. And if we are full of faith, we certainly should be full of works. And, uh, and so as we look at this idea uh, of the fruit of the Spirit and of faith, understand that that uh, we're going to kind of equate that with faithful. In other words, being full of works uh, for a long time. In Galatians chapter number 5 and verse number 22, the Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Above, or against such there is no law. And so we want to look at that one right after goodness, or the last one of verse 22, and that is faith, and, uh, and see how that should affect our life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather in your house, Father, around your word. God, I pray that you would uh, use me this morning. God, I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that you would touch each and every heart. And God, I pray that we would uh, apply this uh, this fruit of the Spirit, Father, that it would be evidence, that it would be displayed, that it would grow in our life, Father, and that we would have faith and be faithful in, uh, in the things, God, that you've commanded us to do. And God, will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this idea of faith, uh, is, as I've already stated, it's it, faith is, of course, uh, should be displayed in our works. And then faithful uh, is simply defined as full of faith. Uh, and our faith should be shown in those works over a long period of time. Faithfulness is simply continuance uh, in our faith over that long period of time. As we look at the book of Galatians, uh, in chapter one, it speaks of the faith, as in the idea of the gospel. In chapter three, it speaks of faith for salvation. And in chapter five, where we're at in Galatians, uh, it says it speaks of confidence, continuance, and consistency. Uh, and so we can see that and understand this idea of faith. You're in Hebrews chapter number 10, and I need to get there. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. Hebrews 10 and verse 23, and I have, under, I have underlined a few verses. Actually, I have God's salad underlined, all right? And verse 22 is, is let us. And verse 23 is more lettuce, and and verse 24, there is also lettuce. And so that's God's salad, all right? In his mixture, he's got some salad there. Uh, and that has absolutely nothing to do with the message. I just uh, remember hearing that before, and I had those those lettuces all underlined, all right? Let us draw near, and let us hold fast, and let us consider one another. And so uh, that's God's salad there in, the, in, in Hebrews 10. But it, look with me in verse number... Well, well, let's go ahead and start with verse number 22, since I already pointed it out. It said, Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience... In our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. And there's our word uh, talking about our faith, of our salvation, and then without wavering, for he is faithful, and that would be continuing and uh, with us that promise, and that would be God. And he goes on in verse 24 and he says, uh, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Then he says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. And, uh, and so what, what wonderful verses. And as I look at that verse 25, I just want to pause real quick. And I know that preachers, that's preachers' favorite verses, all right? Uh, preachers love to quote that verse, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together uh, as the manner of some is. And, and that's certainly true. But I like the last part of it as well. The Bible says, and so much more, the more as ye see the day approaching. And, and listen, I think... Uh, Hey, we're very, very possibly living in the last days and Jesus Christ should come, uh, could come at any day. There's nothing hindering his coming. And and as I look at that, I think, hey, we're not to scale back. Uh, We are to be full bore uh, doing what God has asked us to do. And so uh, I love that last part that, hey, we're not to scale back and we're not to slow up, but we're to keep going uh, full bore as God. As God has asked us to do. But as we look at these verses and we're looking about faith, uh, we find in verse 24, he says, or verse 23, rather, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And our faith ought to be held uh, without wavering, without uh, without doubt, without uh, insecurities, but sure of the faith that we have in God. And he says, because faithful is He. And he's talking about God. It says, for He is faithful, that promise. And listen, He is going to sustain us, and He has made a promise to us. And let me tell you this about God, you can trust God. He is not going to fail on his part of the promise. We fail, we mess up, uh, we, we don't always do our part, but God is faithful to always do his part. And so as we look at this, understand that uh, that's the idea of this idea of faith as a fruit of the Spirit. On July 29th, 1981, one of the most highly publicized and glamorous weddings in history was celebrated. That would be Britain's Prince Charles and Lady Diana. And uh, there was a worldwide audience of over 750 million people. Could you imagine? I'm glad there's not that many that were at my wedding, to be honest with you. Um, There were 2,500 people crowded Uh, the grand church where over 21 cameras were set up to record this exciting event. I mean, you talk about, uh, I'm I'm glad my wedding wasn't that big. I'll just say it that way. Uh, Their wedding was a, a modern fairy tale. A royal prince marries a lovely commoner in front of thousands of adoring subjects. They were the envy of the world, rich, young, handsome. And people said theirs was a marriage made in heaven. Sadly, their happiness was short-lived, and the fairy tale soon became a nightmare of affairs and unfaithfulness. And there is a short supply of faithfulness in the world today. There is. There is. And you look at, at people just being faithful to simple things. And, uh, and there is, it is in short supply. People are always looking for something better. People uh, are looking for better pay. They're looking for better positions. They're looking for better uh, this, a better that. And they're not content. And so they're always uh, on the lookout and on the scope for something that is better. Um, and, and let me just say this, that uh, faithfulness... Does not happen by chance or by accident. Faithfulness is something that requires effort. It requires energy. It requires work to make to maintain a faithfulness for years. Uh, recently, um, uh, we had a lady passed away, our oldest church member, really. Uh, and, and she was 98, if I remember correctly, uh, 98. And, and the Sunday, actually, before she had passed away, she was in church. And, you know, that didn't happen by accident. You know, she, she, she came to church for years. You know why? It didn't happen by accident. It took effort. It took time. It took energy on her part. It took her, uh, in that case, it took actually her family helping her to get here. I mean, uh, she was in a wheelchair at that point. And what I'm saying is, listen, uh, it takes effort to be able to be faithful to God. Uh, It's not just going to happen by chance or by accident. And so faithfulness is something that, uh, that, that does require our attention as we think about this. And, uh, and so as we think about this, I want you to understand the example of faithfulness. As we see here in, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number uh, 23, he says, uh, For he is faithful that promised. And God is a phenomenal example of faithfulness to us. Uh, if your dream was to become an, uh, uh, an Olympic athlete in any sport, whatever sport it is, Um, And and if your dream was to become that Olympic athlete, uh, you would not be able to only and solely rely on your talent. There's just no way. Raw talent will only take you so far. Uh, those Olympic athletes, they train for hours on end. They spend a lot of time training. They spend a lot of time studying. They, they have trainers who watch them and say, listen, uh, your movement was this way. And if you would do this, it would make it more efficient and, and, and use less energy. And you'd be able to do it even better and faster and this and that. There's people that are helping them, that are guiding them, that are training them, that are teaching them. And as they study those movements and do all of that, uh, listen, they they often become much better at what they are doing. The reason they got to where they're at, the reason they're so good at what they're doing, is because of the effort and the energy and the time that they've invested in that thing. They did not just wake up. They probably would be offended at at you thinking they just woke up one day and were that good. Uh, That didn't happen to any of them. Uh, There is a certain amount of natural talent, but then there is uh, the the effort and energy that they've poured into it. And listen, if our dream, which ought to be our dream, is to be Christ-like, it's going to require effort on our part. Uh, having the 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 Spirit of God in you is is a wonderful start, and it is it is something that every born again Christian will have. But without a doubt, it's still going to require on our part effort and energy to be able to invest and be Christ like in our life. It's going to require uh, reading the Word of God. It's going to require. Uh, uh, Coming to church, it's going to require effort in, in denying ourselves, as the Bible says, as Jesus would say, uh, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. It requires effort on our part. The, Christ, the faithful Christian life doesn't just happen by accident. And so, as we think about this, I want us to think about the example of faithfulness. God is faithful, God's faithful. Uh, we see there in our text that I read, one day, uh, the deacons and a church member approached their elderly pastor, chiding him for the lack of church growth. And they couldn't believe uh, only, only one person had joined the church in the span of a year, and, it, and he was just a boy. And the preacher walked away with a heavy heart and, and, a, and a will to resign, to be honest with you, in this church. And in his heart, he knew that he had done all he could, but the feeling of failure began to get the best of him. And the small boy met up with the preacher and boldly asked him if one day he could become a preacher or a missionary. And the preacher felt the Holy Spirit's comfort as he began to see God's divine plan unfolding. He looked down at the boy and told him what a great preacher he would make someday. Years later... An aged missionary returned to London from Africa. His name was known throughout the entire land. Nobles asked for his presence and many flocked to wherever he was. His name was Robert Moffat. He was a missionary in Africa bringing lost souls to Christ, even some of Africa's most savage chiefs. This man was the same boy who years before had asked the pastor in a small Scotland church if he could be a preacher one day. Imagine that. God is faithful. That pastor's faithfulness saw the fruit in the life of Robert Moffat, who also saw the fruit in his oldest daughter, Mary, the wife of, of David Livingston they were missionaries as well in Africa very well known and what I'm saying is listen many times we don't understand and we don't see and and maybe you think well I don't know what's going on and it seems like I'm a failure and it seems like things in my life are not producing but can I tell you this this morning that God is faithful In the things that he does. I marvel many times at the the mistakes we make in our life. And how God can take and turn those mistakes around and turn them into something good. And listen, God is, is good at being faithful. God is faithful uh, when we are tempted. Listen, all of us will face temptation, but God is faithful in helping us to overcome that temptation. The Bible says that, uh, that we would not be tempted in, a, in, in such a way that there would not be a way of escape for us. God has promised us that way of escape. Uh, listen, God is faithful in forgiveness. Praise the Lord for that. I can thank God for that. You know why? Because I'm not perfect either. And I mess up. And listen, when I mess up, I'm grateful and I'm glad that I can go to God and I can say, God, forgive me, help me, strengthen me. And you know what? The Bible says uh, that He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He's faithful. What an example of faithfulness that God is in our lives. Uh, And and what a a phenomenal example that we have in God and that he is faithful to us. And listen, not only is he faithful, but God's word is faithful. Listen, this book, we don't need a new book. It bothers me. It severely bothers me. I, I hear uh, as our missionary came uh, I, a couple of weeks ago, I guess, and, and he was preaching and he was talking about the need of the word of God. And it, it bothers me, to be honest with you, that they keep coming out with English translations and English translations and English translations when there are thousands of languages that don't even have a single verse published in the word of God in their language. You know what's wrong with that? You know why they're not publishing the Word of God in those languages? There's no money in it. They've turned the Word of God into a business, a lucrative money-making business, and the only way to sell you a new Bible is to come out with some new perversion of it so that they can tell you, oh, this is better and this is newer, and man, you need to upgrade your Bible, and they would sell you a Bible every year if they could just line their pockets with financial gain. I'm serious. That's what is going on. It has become a business. Uh, Why do they keep coming out with more English Bibles? Why do they keep copywriting them? Why do they keep doing all that? They do it because, hey, listen, uh, they're interested in doing that. Listen, God's word is faithful that we have. You don't need a new Bible. Uh, we have the King James Bible for the English-speaking people. Listen, it's been God's Word for, uh, for over 400 years. We don't need a new Bible. Uh, we just need a new love for God's Word. We need a new appreciation for God's Word. We need a new uh, desire for God's Word. But we don't need a new Bible. God's Word is faithful. And the Bible says in Psalm 119 and verse 89, Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. Listen. The word of God is faithful, and you can trust the word of God. Listen. Cultures change, people change, circumstances change, but God's word does not change, and it does, and it should not change. It does not need to change because He's promised it's faithful. And his promises are faithful. Uh, listen, uh, the promises that you read in the word of God, listen, they're faithful. God will be faithful to those promises. He'll be faithful to the promises that he made to you. He'll be faithful to hold up his end. Sometimes just like uh, Thomas, we find our faith lacking in our, our lives. We'll say, man, I don't know. And we start to wring in our hands and we're saying, well, I don't know. And, and, and just like Thomas and Jesus showed up and and, and and Thomas like I don't know if I can believe that somebody rose from the dead, and Jesus says, Thomas, would you like to put your hand in my scar, my side? Would you like to touch the scars in my hands? And old Thomas was smitten because listen, he realized, oh, the faith the faithfulness of God is never ending. The faithfulness of the promises of God is never ending. The faithfulness of the word of God is sound and it will not change. And listen, uh, we need to understand that God is faithful. A story is told of a man who met God and asked him, what is a million years to you? God answers, well, like a second And then the man says, and what is $10 million to you? And God says, well, it's like a dime. And then the ant man, thinking really quickly, he said, well, then, he said, can I I borrow a dime? And God said, sure, just a second. Sometimes we want things and we want it right now and we don't want to wait on God, but God's faith. God will always do his part. And can I say this, and can I add this as well? God is never late. He's always right on time. I tell you what, there's times when we're like, God, I want this, and I want it right now. And God says, you know what, You just it's not the right time. Could you imagine if, now, those of you that are parents, and those of you that have children, and your your child says, well, I know I'm going to drive someday, and Your child's 10 years old, so, Dad, give me the keys and give me them right now. I'm going to learn to drive. Are you kidding me? A bunch of 10-year-olds driving on the road, could you imagine? That'd be scary. I taught my kids to drive when they were uh, 18, and and that was scary enough, you know? I mean, uh, could you imagine doing it 10 years earlier, and half of them couldn't reach the pedals? At least my kids, they were all short, and so... Uh, they wouldn't even be able to reach the pedals. Listen, there's some things that, that we should not have right now. And there's some things that, yes, God will say there's time and it is coming. And I will bless and I will give I will fulfill my promise. But right now is not that time. And God knows the best time and God knows the best way to answer all of our prayers. And sometimes we don't even know what's best for ourselves. But God does. And He's faithful. Not only do we find that God is faithful in our text here in Hebrews, but I want you to notice as well his exhortation for us to be faithful. Look at what it says there um, back in Hebrews 10.23. He says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. He's saying, listen, that we ought to be faithful. The Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I've never been to Yellowstone National Park. I've always wanted to go, but I've never have gotten out that far, to be honest with you. I've traveled across the oceans, but I've never gotten across the states. And, and, uh, and Yellowstone National Park, there's a, a geyser there that's called Old Faithful. Old Faithful is not known because of its height that it's able to spew the water out of the ground. It's not known for its uh, wonderful ability or beauty that surrounds Old Faithful. You know why Old Faithful is famous? And you know why you've heard of Old Faithful? Because of what's in the name. It's faithful. In other words, every... Uh, it's very punctual. I don't know the time. It's very predictable, but it shoots water uh, somewhere between 20 to 75 feet out of the air uh, on a regular basis. And people don't admire its beauty or its eloquence or its grandeur. They come to admire its faithfulness. Listen, God doesn't demand our beauty. God doesn't demand our eloquence. God doesn't demand our uh, grandeur. God doesn't demand all of these things that we don't have and that we can't produce, but God does require of us faithfulness. And he asks us to be faithful. And he requires of us faithful. Listen, there's areas that we need to be faithful. We ought to be faithful in our workplace. Boy, there's a lot of... It seems like it's gotten worse over the past two years uh, with everything shutting down and and people just call off flippantly and and think, well, I'm not going to work because I just don't want to today. And listen, we need people uh, that are faithful to their workplace. I, I believe, and I'll say it the rest of my life, that Christians ought to be the best workers in... In the workplace. They ought to work the hardest. Why? Because God demands of us faithfulness. Servants, the Bible says in Colossians 3.22, servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. So he's talking about fleshly work. He's not talking about before God. He's talking about your physical workplace, your place of employment, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God, because God wants you to be a good worker. Faithful in your workplace, faithful in your family. The Bible says uh, in, in Ephesians 5, 25 and 26, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water. By the word, listen, Christians ought to have the best homes. And I know that there's a lot of mistakes, but listen, uh, you pick up where you're at and you go forward and you make the best of what you have with what, how, what you have. And you try and have the best Christian home that you can have with what you've been given. You can't always undo and go back and fix things. I was, uh, I've been looking around and or just thinking about rather and, and listen, today uh, there, are, there are probably more blended families. And that's where mom brings kids into the marriage and dad brings other kids into the marriage. And that's called a blended family. Uh, Then there are, hey, listen, uh, take that blended family and live for God and do the best you can with it. Uh, It's not always there's there's sometimes there's not way you can't go back and undo the past. You can't go back and fix what's been uh, been in the past. But I tell you what, from this point forward, you can start writing a new way. You can start living a different way and you can start doing things a right way that would bring honor and glory to God. Faithfulness in our families, faithfulness in our stewardship. Uh, we're going to look at this a little bit later, but uh, in Luke, we're not going to look at the same passage. But in Luke chapter 16 and verses 10, he says, "He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much." If ye therefore have not, uh, if ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, and that would be riches and finances. Who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? In other words, hey, that we should be faithful even with our substance and even with uh, our finances and even with our possessions and even with the things that we own. And we ought to be faithful, as we see in our text as well, in our church attendance. We're talking about faithfulness. And God certainly exhorts and requires of Christians to be faithful in these areas, faithful in our work, faithful in our family, faithful in our stewardship, faithful in our attendance. Let's examine faithfulness just for a minute. Go with me to Matthew chapter number 25, Matthew 25. Let's look at this text just for a moment and, and then we'll finish up. We won't spend a lot of time here, but I think we had a turn here. Matthew 25 and verse number 14. We see the example of faithfulness as God, and we see the exhortation to be faithful, that God's word truly requires and wants us to be faithful. Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 14, the Bible says this, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man dwelling or traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another uh, one. To every man, according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the, the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two but he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliveredst unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of of thy Lord. Let me just stop right there and give you a couple things. Number one, a lot of times we read this and we think talents as abilities and it's not talents as abilities. It's talents as in financial money. That was a type of money that they had in Bible times. And so we need to understand that up front. So so this fellow traveled and he gave to one guy five talents and, uh, and, and left him with that money and said, hey, you're responsible for that. And to another fellow, he gave him two talents and said, hey, you're responsible for that. And to another fellow he gave him one. And I want you to understand this that that understand this. My dad would always say this. Life is not fair. God never said that life would be fair. These people did not get the same thing. God's God didn't give to them all the same amounts. And listen, there's some of us uh, that maybe have five talents worth of, uh, of, of financial stuff. And there's others that may only have two. And there's, there's others that may only have one. God didn't make us all the same. God made us all different. And God gives us different things. But at the same time, he still requires that responsibility in faithfulness. And we find that uh, the fellow that had five talents, he went out and he, he uh, put them to the usury. He invested in the stock market to give it us common terms and, uh, and modern ideas. Uh, he invested those and he, and he was able to get more money and he gained, he doubled the amount that he had. The guy that had two, he also was able to gain more, and he also uh, doubled what he had. But the guy who had one, he just went and buried it in the ground. And and you know what? It didn't multiply in the ground. It's not a seed, okay? Put your money in the ground, it's not going to multiply. It might still be there when you go to dig it up, though. If you put it out there elsewhere, it might not be there when you go to pull it back in, all right? I don't know. But... uh, uh, but I do know this is that they were trying to do something with it. But this other fellow, he just went and stashed it in the ground, and he didn't even bother to do anything with it. And and, and he said, you know, when that fellow comes, I'll give him back his his one talent. He didn't bother to try and and uh, and and make more from it. He just left it at what it was. And uh, and we find that God was pleased, and He said, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant, uh, when little things had been uh, given back." And and the guy doubled his money. It wasn't the amount. It wasn't that he gave five talents and therefore he had done good. And it wasn't that the other guy had uh, had two more and that he had done good, but that they were faithful with what God had given them and tried to do something with what God had given them. But the fellow who did nothing, he didn't say that. He didn't say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Listen, we will be examined according to our faithfulness. The Lord is coming back. The Bible says here in in verse 19, After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus is coming back? Hey, he's coming back and it could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be next week. We don't know when it is, but we do know that he is coming back. And when he does come back, uh, listen, he will ask us to give an account with what we've done for our lives. We're not going to be at the great white throne. The great white throne is uh, those who are not saved will be cast into death and hell. The Bible says into the lake of fire. But that doesn't mean that we are uh, that we can just live unaccountable to anybody. God is going to take an account for our life. And in uh, I believe it's First Corinthians chapter three or Second Corinthians chapter three does talk about the fact that hey uh, that we will be judged and God will say hey listen what have you done with your life what have you done with your salvation what have you done with the things that I have given you? And he's going to require an accountability. Now you'll not lose your salvation if you're saved and you're born again. You're going to the Bible says that those things will be burned up as fire, but you will not perish. In other words, if you've lived your life in a very worldly manner and a worldly fashion, that everything that you have is is only physical gain. Listen, that's going to be all burned up. The Bible says at the end of the world, hey, a great fervent heat is going to burn up this whole place and everything's going to be lost. But listen, if you invest in spiritual things and and you live for the Lord, hey, there will be some treasures. There's crowns up in heaven that you can earn. There's a soul winner's crown. There's a martyr's crown. There's a pastor's crown. There's a faithful crown. There's things that are there's crowns for those things. Hey, that people that are living for the Lord and enduring temptation and doing those things that you can have those and those are spiritual treasures that are laid up that will not be burned up if we're faithful and so he exhorts us to be faithful and then there's an examination of our faithfulness when he's gonna say hey have you been faithful were you faithful with what I've given you were you faithful in living for the Lord were you faithful In your family, were you faithful in your employment? Were you faithful in your stewardship? Were you faithful in your church? Were you faithful to God? Faithfulness comes when we say, God, help me to be faithful. God's God's given us the Spirit of God that dwells inside of us. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. And those works come by us saying, God, help me to live obeying and following you in my life. And then we'll have it. You come to the end of your life, you come to the latter years, and you look back and you say, I'm glad I live for the Lord. I'm glad I've served Him. I'm glad I've been faithful. I'm glad that I'm doing what God has asked me to do. When we say, God help me, and we follow God with our lives, with every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, faithfulness, God, I pray that you'd help us, that you'd strengthen us, cause us to live faithfully. And God, I know there's many times we're tempted, many times we're tested, many times we're drawn away. And God, I'm glad that you're a long-suffering, loving, compassionate God who always forgives us. And God, I pray that you'd help us to be faithful. Help us to have the fruit of faithfulness displayed in our life. And God, may we be made known for faithfulness. God, I pray that you'd touch each and every person and help us to display the fruit of the Spirit. Long-suffering, goodness, love, joy, joy peace, these things, Father, that we've looked over, we've studied, help us to have them in display in our lives. God, that the world may see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. I pray that you'd work through each and every one of us. Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, just a short time of invitation, maybe you want to ask God to help you be faithful. Maybe you want to ask God to help you display that faithfulness. Maybe there's something lacking, and you want to ask God to, to forgive you and to help you. He'll do that.